1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the UConn Football Pod. This is Amon Kidway. I'm joined by Tucker Warner and Luke Swanson. It's been a while since we had a football pod, folks. Our apologies. We had some technical issues and then some scheduling issues and then a week without a football game. At any rate, since you last met us, the Huskies have gone one and one, sitting on a four and five season, maybe winning the one we did not expect. Uh, they lost at Ball State 25 to 21, which was disappointing in the way that it went down, to say the least, followed it up this Saturday with a tremendous win for the program, beating Boston College 13 to 3, doing it at Renchler Field, doing it in front of lots of recruits. Uh, and really making a, a big a big statement there, I think, you know, lots of people probably thought the Huskies might be four and five at this point, you know, three week, three or three or four weeks ago. But would have been hard to predict a win against Boston College again, have to give Jim Mora and staff and the players a ton of credit for how far they have taken this team in terms of progress. Uh, It's a huge, huge win. Tucker, what did you feel after the clock struck zero at the rent when UConn was hosting Boston College?
0: You know, a lot of happiness and a lot of schadenfreude, Um, you know, that really couldn't have happened to a more deserving team. And I mean that truly on both ends. Um, Boston College really just hasn't really been showing up at all for the past several weeks. Um, This is not a school that I uh, typically root for their sports teams in. And uh, it was nice to see their entire athletic program have just not a great week against UConn. Uh, Shout out Ice Bus. Uh, you know, Taki taking home the win too. Uh, but really, this is just the marker of bigger and better things to come for UConn football. I'm happy that it was able to happen so quickly in the Jim Mora tenure uh, while he was here. But, you know, an unprecedented win, like beating a regional rival that's somewhat of a power in the Northeast, uh, at least traditionally speaking, uh, obviously. Not so much this year, but that's a barrier that UConn had never gotten over before, was beating Boston College. And they come out here, they completely shut down uh, everything that BC tried to do. Uh, they really just beat them at every single level. I understand there was some turnover luck that was involved, but you know that was luck they created by aggressive play that continued to work in their favor over and over uh, during the course of the game. So, yeah, I feel pretty great about this win. Uh, it's a sign of bigger and better things to come. And, you know, not to keep harping on this like I do every single week, but it's really made all the more potent and all the more important by the fact that UConn did this with their backups
2: on offense. I think at a certain point, the turnover look in that game just becomes a total, complete failing on behalf of the Boston College offense. And that's really what I saw as the number one uh, thing. Speaking of Shattenkrot, that was a pretty good, pretty good example of that. Is just Boston College's offense that includes a potential NFL receiver, potential NFL quarterback, just completely fail at all aspects of the game of football. Uh, Zay Flowers had one of the worst games I'm pretty sure of his of his college career. Jerkovich looked horrible and then got injured. So just all around, just terrible, no good, very bad things for a Boston College defense. But that definitely shouldn't over overshine. The fact that UConn needed to get in the position to make all of those turnovers and all of those bad things for Boston College's offense happen, and they did that in the form of just completely manhandling the Boston College offensive line. They were they were making the too small gesture at them. They were they were yelling "mouse in the house." Uh, They were just doing all the things. They were making making it very well known that uh, they were the uh, big dogs. And uh, as you say, you got to let the big dogs eat in rent for a field. So that was the story of the game for me, uh, for uh, UConn's out of the ball, just the defense that totally made Boston college forget how to play the game of football. And I think that's pretty funny.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think even if you were to say that, Hey, UConn beat Boston college, you might expect a more pristine performance from UConn, but Really deep into that game, UConn only had three points, I think, off of the first four turnovers. So it wasn't even that the turnovers were were leading to UConn points. They were just not leading to Boston College points and, of course, stopping drives. UConn has not been perfect during this stretch by, by, by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I give a lot of credit to them, Jim Mora, the coaching staff, for finding finding the way to win, and as we've discussed, just overcoming the the injury situation, there still is a you know three three guys missing at at running back, and we had Keelan Marion back for literally one play, which is devastating. Uh, a play where he caught a pass, got injured, and it got called back due to penalty. So that was our uh, welcome back Keelan Marion moment. The offense, you know, it it still doesn't have a ton to work with, but got the job done. And I I I do have to say I'm I'm quite underwhelmed by by Boston College. Their offensive line is is weaker than Yukon's, you know, which is like pretty impressive. Everyone wants beefy O-linemen on their team. Interesting that that Yukon can field a better one than Boston College. And I was so unimpressed by the play of their of of their quarterback, who I was under the impression that he was some sort of difference making, playmaking with his arm kind of guy. And I am so sorry, but I, I, I did not see that at all. I saw really bad decision making. A lot of times he missed an open Zay Flowers as the CBS Sports Network crew was really uh, quick to point out for us. Um, But as it relates to Zay Flowers, I will say I think UConn game plan pretty well for him. It seemed like uh, Jerkovich had to go to his second or third options a lot. And Flowers seemed, you know, and I'm not I'm not a football guy, but, you know, Flowers seemed to be like really straining to try to make plays the way he was handling punts, the way he was trying to go for yards when he did get the ball. Um, so I, I think UConn did a really incredible job with with Zay Flowers there. So yeah, my takeaway is this defense can handle a lot of things and a lot of teams, particularly, you know, the level of play Yukon's going to face the rest of the way. Um, and and I increasingly have faith in the offensive game planning and personnel to find a way to win, particularly if they can get healthy. So that bodes pretty well going forward. What would you say?
0: You know, I I did just overall like what I saw from this UConn team. Again, you kind of have to grade them on a curve based on where their offense is in terms of health in any given week. Uh, But I, I think overall that if they're able to, you know, like play a game against a major conference opponent, even Boston College, where the offensive line, which is one of their strengths usually, doesn't even play all that well and they still win. And it's not even really like they're giving BC that much of a chance to win. That's just a really good sign for what this team can do the rest of the way. Um, Obviously, we're going to have to get another test in two weeks time when playing a now ranked Liberty team. Uh, Somehow they snuck up into 23rd. I was very wrong about them going into the season. If you look back at my predictions, please don't hold that against me. Uh, but I, I think overall, we're going to be equipped to be in a pretty good position to win two more of these last three games over the rest of the way, uh, become bowl eligible. And that's even with or without any help in the health department. Uh, obviously, it would be great if Devonte Houston, Keelan Marion, others, <laughs> I think we could just list, etc. at this point, um, are going to be off the injury report and ready to go uh, over, you know, November. But you know, it, even without that, if the game plan works as well as it did, because I I, I think that that's the clearest way to uh, give the credit for winning this game is all to the game plan. I, I think that that's a thing that is replicable week over week and is a thing that's going to put UConn in kind of good position to um, to beat UMass, to beat Army, and maybe give Liberty a game too.
2: Just another note on the offense or on the UConn's defense as a whole against Boston college's offense, Boston college was down four offensive linemen from their starters when it uh, preseason. And that was a preseason where they had to replace, I think, I think three or four of their starters from last year. So they obviously you can only play who's put in front of you, but it's very, very extremely tough to block anyone. And Boston College showed that in their complete and total inability to block one single uh, UConn defensive lineman the entire night. Uh, when you have a guy like Price Yates, and I'll, I'll, let me pull up the stats here. When you have a guy like Price Yates, gets something like eight tackles and three and a half for loss. What was it? It was three tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, and one QB hit and two sacks. And I'm, Price Yates, he's a very good player. He's definitely improving as the season goes on. He's not even the star of this UConn defense. Uh, and he's just making your offensive linemen's lives a living hell. Just <laughs> Boston College is going to have a very tough time in the rest of their schedule if they can't find five guys off the street who can block. And I, and I mentioned that about Price Yates not even being the star of the UConn defense because the guy with Jackson Mitchell uh, had one of his best games in a Yukon career that has featured quite a few great games uh, even when Yukon's defense wasn't up to par uh, 11 tackles a uh, sack tackle for loss an interception and a fumble recovery on a muffed kick and a uh, forced fumble all in the for- all in the fourth quarter those uh, those three uh, turnovers recovered the interception and the two fumbles all in the fourth quarter so one of the more impressive uh, impressive performances on his end in his entire UConn career.
0: Don't forget though, Luke, uh, according to certain writers who may or may not be named here, uh, Jackson Mitchell is the only UConn player good enough to start for BC. So uh, you got to keep that in mind. Uh, and, and really, the I, funniest
2: thing is he said that after the game.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty yeah sure. exactly. Like well, He but said it after Yeah, I get it. If you're like very overconfident in like BC's recruiting and you know, whatever, like, can you say that before the game, after you just got smacked by a UConn team and basically beaten at every single positional group to say that, like, actually only one of the 24 guys who beat us, uh, including a kicker and punter, uh, could start for Boston College. I think you might just be out of your mind. Like, that is a thing that you say if you are an insane person who isn't actually watching the game there in which uh, your team, in fact, did get more or less obliterated. Uh, You normally don't, score only three points against a team and say you know what actually we have the better offense at every position Uh, I don't know Uh, seems like maybe Boston College isn't just one Jackson Mitchell away from beating UConn and God doesn't feel so nice to be able to say that
1: it really was like a 13 to 3 blowout you know like UConn UConn scored that first touchdown uh, on that drive with by the way Justin Jolie
2: Beautiful drive, beautiful drive. Talk
1: about, but yeah, they they also, as as we've been clamoring for, opened it up. I was saying in our in our internal chat, I was like, hey, if they've been saving up the passing offense for the first quarter against BC, and only then, then I guess, hey, not not too bad. It kind of worked out, but uh, that that touchdown was all the points UConn needed because because BC had nothing in the way of offensive firepower. And UConn had answers for everything, which which is really incredible. I think uh, Justin Jolie, I want to highlight though too, someone who is really capable of making plays there. It's so important to get the touchdown when you have that long run going because there's no guarantee you get that seven at the end. And we knew how crucial that buffer would be. It is disappointing that UConn could not Put this away a little bit more. Uh, there were certainly enough chances to uh, you know, get one more touchdown, get two more field goals, uh, before before being able to in the fourth quarter late, making it a two-score game. I do think, you know, as it relates to UConn, there's plenty to clean up. And realistically, this game should have been like 24 to 3 or 21 to 3 or something like that, just given the turnovers, and UConn actually did move the ball a decent amount, just had some drives that ended with a missed field goal or a um, a fourth down attempt, so a, a turnover on downs. Uh, so a, a lot of points left on the table for UConn, drives that ended due to penalties, and so there still is a ton to clean up going forward.
2: It definitely seems like that's sort of uh, Nick Charlton's jam as offensive coordinator is to get exactly as many points as you need to win and not a single point more. And then sometimes that doesn't even work because uh, if we're harkening back to the the ball state game and the travesty that that second half was and uh, the first half out of one, two, three, out of six Yukon drives, three of them ended in touchdowns and not even six because the last one was uh, to take him to the hole. So, taken to the half. So out of five, you got drives, I uh, entered in three touchdowns. And then in the second half, they went interception punt, punt, fumble, punt, downs. So it definitely seems like they uh, try to get just as few points as they need to win. And sometimes it works like it did against BC and FIU and uh state and sometimes like ball state, it does not work quite as well. So it'll be interesting to monitor monitor that going forward because against UMass, uh, I would recommend blowing them out. I would recommend not screwing around and maybe letting them come back as uh, impossible as that might seem, might seem, you know, their uh, head coach is likely to have us a, a bit of a, maybe a bit of a bone to pick with UConn personally, but Against Liberty, I have no idea how uh, how that strategy is going to work out. And Army, <laughs> Army loves to play that strategy. They invented it. So out of the three games that UConn has left, I would say that if they continue to just run this uh, extremely uh, conservative, we'll say, offense uh, in the second half of games, it, it could get a little hairier than it should. Given uh the, the quality of uh UConn's team compared to especially UMass, uh potentially Army.
1: It it really makes it so that ball state is is such a missed opportunity there because straight up it's a it's a game UConn should have won. You give up 12 points in the fourth quarter. Um that's that's obviously something that's not in the game plan, uh, obviously unanswered, especially too, but. Even the way UConn plays, they're they're not they're not trying to give up twelve points in no fourth quarter, so uh, it, it's crazy that we're talking about the the potential for UConn's bowl eligibility and what's on the line there. But you know, UConn could be at five wins with the UMass game coming up, you know, which would be insane, uh, absolutely insane to think about. Uh, unfortunate missed opportunity there. Again, though, I think you have to give the team a lot of credit. And I think this is the players and the leadership of those guys for their resilience. They showed it. I think after the three really tough losses, you go play Syracuse, Michigan, and NC State. You get outclassed as expected, but it, it, it's tough, it's demoralizing. But then they come back and beat Fresno State. They go and do this, you know, get close to winning at Ball State you know, people are talking bowl, lose that game could be really easy to pack it in and, and fold it up at least, you know, as it relates to, um, trying and straining really, really hard to get to something like that. And they turned around, they had the week off. They, they came out and executed a game plan, I think really well in a lot of different ways and got a huge statement win for the program. But, uh, despite the missed opportunity, they, they made the most of it. They didn't, they didn't hold their heads down. And I think that's absolutely huge. That's, that's part of what you need. And sometimes teams have that. Um, And I I think it maybe gets credited to the coaches sometimes, but I think this is where some guys like Jackson Mitchell, Ian Swenson folks that have been there a while and are uh, Christian Haynes, people who are um, experiencing the fruits of some very difficult years of labor uh, really happy for them because they are making a difference for this team, even if it is, you know, year one of a rebuilding project.
2: One final note on the Ball State game as well. Uh, it's always tough when you have a man with the hair of Legolas, the elf uh, beating you uh, just on rushing play after rushing play. That was, that was pretty brutal, brutal to watch. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully that's the last time that, uh, that UConn has a guy with the hair of a uh, Kurt Cobain in the nineties uh, run all over them. Cause uh, that, that was, that was tough.
1: devastating. That is devastating. So, but less devastating looking ahead, UConn, as we have brought up, they're playing UMass next week at home. This is, you know, of, of all the recent meetings against UMass, the one where we have the highest expectations, like Luke said, for it being a recommended blowout. Uh it, it kind of has to be if if Yukon is what we think it is. Um and what we think UConn is is better than they have been in six or seven or more years, which is really incredible to think given where things are. Uh given that this is the first year of, of Jim Moore's tenure, given how dire things looked at the end of the Randy Edsel era, we are playing meaningful football through week 12 because UConn is vying for a bowl bid to the end of the season the fact that we are saying these things is absolutely insane the fact that it's happening amid uh, all of the injuries that have occurred again speaks to a really high level of uh, successful game planning from from Mora and his staff the other really important thing that I'm Trying to to hover around as a point here that's so important is that Jim Mora is doing this and proving that it's not impossible to succeed at UConn, and what I mean by that is he is not Chip Kelly at New Hampshire, he's not Chris Alt at Nevada. He doesn't have, he didn't invent a brand new offense for for UConn to reach this this level of success, um, you know, out of the doldrums. He just put together a competent team given the circumstances given the recruiting territory given what you can do with the transfer market he put a thing together that has a thesis that has a a little bit of a a little bit of an identity i think we're starting to see as well and and says i think we can win with this and so far so good and you know we have now so much hope for years 2 and 3 in a way that we could have not ever said with the previous coaches. And so I think, um, you know, really should reflect on just how incredible that is. And, you know, the fact that, that just UConn football comma FBS program is back.
2: I think that if, if it's interesting, because I think if we had a single, uh, a single national media member put one brain cell towards UConn football in a way that isn't, uh, oh, they should drop the program or, oh, it's amazing that it's amazing what Jim Moore is doing here, which it is. Obviously, amazing is a pretty strong word, but it is pretty amazing what is happening this year. But there's nothing really put towards why this is happening and what they're doing. And I think part of it is because it's not really quantifiable. Like you're saying, they're not running anything special on offense. On defense, it's literally, it's let's dare them to beat us over the top because they, or let's dare them to beat us over the middle because they can't beat us over the top. And it's been, but don't break, take it to the extreme. But like on the field, it's not a whole lot that you can glean from why this is happening this year and not any other year. And so it all comes down to like actually performing your normal duties as a football coach, not in any spectacular manager, just in, in any spectacular manner, just kind of doing your job. And so the first guy that comes to Yukon and does his job in, I guess conservatively six years is almost taking them to a bowl. So it's it's interesting how how this is shaken out because I think that it hasn't gotten a lot of attention just because people don't know, don't know what the heck to do with it.
1: Especially with Yukon struggling in the American, then moving to independence, which seems like a very desperate move, which Frankly, it it was in many ways, but it was also a move that UConn could afford to make. And UConn as a basketball school has some has some reason to do. And I don't even want to get too deep into that whole, you know, uh, th- thread of the conversation. But I do think the you know, the discussion about UConn as an independent program is worth bringing up right now because uh, what UConn is going up against is regionally Syracuse as an ACC program, Boston College as an ACC program, and then to some extent Rutgers as a as a Big 10 program and that's and that's who UConn is dealing with um on the on the recruiting trail and I think to prove that independence is not a step below the American is is also uh something that is meaningful for UConn to establish and Having a four, five, six win season is is a really great way of doing that. And I think for a lot of reasons, you can imagine why as an institution, UConn might be a more attractive place for a young football player from the Northeast to attend than a private school in the outskirts of Boston or a private school in the outskirts of upstate New York. So I think there's there's something that UConn offers here. And if UConn can really nail that value proposition down and you know have a team that's doing interesting things, which is not something that Syracuse and Boston College can say about their last decade at all, then, hey, look, things are looking pretty bright as it relates to this, this independence experiment. There is one nagging detail of of uh what to do if Yukon does get to six wins. I think they would find their way into a bowl game because Yukon has a fan base and bowl CEOs who get paid six figures to do a part-time job are going to take the easy route and put a Yukon into a bowl because there's an established fan base there. But again, that's that's many carts before the horse. Um solid, solid, solid progress for the independence experiment as well is what we are seeing with this season.
0: Well, look, when you look at the recruiting picture and, you know, the Northeast regional and everything that UConn's trying to prove right now, especially as it relates to competing against these regional rivals. um, One thing that I don't think enough people understand is that Syracuse plays in a dome Everybody loves a dome. Come on, that's worth like basically the same thing as being Alabama, you know, playing in the dome. And everybody
2: loves a dome.
0: And Tucker, um, what if
2: that dome smells uh, what not only is that a dome, it's a dome that smells like sweaty socks and everything looks like a Mexico scene in Breaking Bad. Who would not want to play there?
0: Yeah, and honestly, what if they like had a fundamental an inability to ever offer what their title sponsor is most known for Uh, i love that they switched from the carrier dome this season to a wireless internet carrier and guess what you can't get wi-fi in there um so yeah anyway congratulations to notre dame for picking up a transitive win over yukon knew it had it in you guys uh congrats to the fighting Irish for finally vanquishing their uh longtime rival and biggest embarrassment uh yukon uh that's technically one oh and one on the on the scoreboard now uh you guys got it but um in terms of just where we stand within the region now i I think it's a really good point to bring up those you know recruiting wins and like those wins that we're able to pick up uh you, you know against these teams when we do play them head to head unfortunately Rutgers continues to duck us just like ed cooley did uh they're both scared uh but in terms of syracuse and boston college like yeah, you know, it's unfortunate that Syracuse, we had to play this year uh, when they're having like the absolute season of that program right now. Uh, and, you know, like they outclassed us. They're in a much better spot than we are right now. And they just so happen to be, again, having their best season basically in 20 uh, some years. Uh, Boston College, you cannot say the same about. Uh, but you know, UConn is coming off of its worst seasons uh, in program history, and we're already able to beat them at not their very worst. Uh, And honestly, if BC's worst is better than UConn's perhaps new normal, well, there might be a little shaking up in the hierarchy right there, isn't there? Uh, So as long as UConn can like look at UMass and continue to beat them just kind of as a standard uh, I, I think we're going to see that the viability here is like exactly what everybody said it was if the goal of this season was just to prove UConn correct about where it stands within college football I think this is what that season would look like if they make a bowl or not I don't really care I'd love for it to happen obviously but they proved themselves absolutely right with this season and that's really uh I think the ultimate win of that Boston college victory Uh, we can throw out like how I feel about Boston college. And I'm sure how many of you feel about them as well. We can throw out uh, how good it feels just to have like an individual game win at home against an FBS team. All that matters is that we proved ourselves right. And we're going to be able to build on that for future seasons. And I'm finally, you know, looking at this long-term as a UConn fan right now. And I see how we get back into the top 25. I don't think I've been able to say that for a very long time at this point, but now I see the pathway. Uh, UConn proved themselves right this year, and that's exactly what we needed to do.
1: Speaking of transitive property wins, I want to bring up a very interesting result from this past weekend that was not UConn 13, Boston College 3, but Louisville defeated highly ranked Wake Forest Wake Forest was ranked as high as number 10 on the season. I don't know what they are now. Don't at me. Uh, But uh, Louisville defeats Wake Forest. Boston College has defeated Louisville. So now UConn has, by transitive property, claimed all of Wake Forest's victories. That includes another win over Boston College. A win over a couple of future opponents. Wake Forest has beaten Army and Liberty. So some big stuff potentially in the cards there. For those who love to believe in the transitive property, a lot opens up for UConn with this Boston College win thanks to that.
2: In terms of uh, transitive property, there's a a couple more uh, results that, uh, that UConn should be aware of. Uh, namely, Saturday, October twenty second, FIU thirty four, Charlotte fifteen. Uh, Friday, October twenty eighth, FIU thirty or FIU forty two, Louisiana Tech thirty four. So that makes uh, FIU stand at four and four on the season. So that win from uh, UConn uh, a couple weeks back doesn't look so uh, doesn't look so unimpressive now. And I think that it, can, it hasn't really shown in, uh, in Bill Connelly's same SP plus ratings So uh, you can only up to 122 this week from 125, not any higher with a win over a power five team. So uh, don't uh, don't get UConn fans to your bad side, Bill. But um, yeah, uh, UConn continues to show that they're a pretty quality team and the team, even the teams that they beat have uh, uh, started to uh, started to show a little life in, uh, in conference there.
1: Yeah, Fresno State has actually reeled off three straight wins. By the way, so apparently losing at UConn can uh, sometimes put a spark in your squad. Maybe something of a silver lining for Boston College fans and faithful. But uh, yeah, I think some of some of UConn's uh, earlier games are just looking a little bit better with the light of a few more weeks of of results and, and data points. And ultimately I think, you know, again, if, if things play out the way we think they do, UConn, UConn is looking at something like what uh, you think UConn could sneak into the, into the nineties or eighties in a, in a final S P plus ranking.
2: Well, I think I'm trying to I'm looking for the S P plus ratings right now. So let me vamp a little bit, but uh, UConn's final, Three opponents in SP Plus. UMass is down at 131. Uh, their their SP Plus uh pers- ranking is 131st. They're also at a negative 31.1 in the metric. That uh, UConn is at negative 20.3. Uh, so since SP Plus is a factor of it, it translates to real to real life points. That basically shows that uh, UConn will be around uh, uh 12 and a half. Point favorites, 13 and a half. So around two touchdown favorites on their home turf. Now moving on in this schedule, uh Liberty is up next. They are number 72 in SP. Uh they're at 0.2 in the metric uh, with a seven and one record. And so showing UConn would be uh pretty heavy underdogs there, but the last game of the season at Army uh, Army still uh, shows as uh, as a home favorite there, by about uh, by about ten points. But uh, regardless, UConn. I think if they get if they play Liberty close, if uh, they find a lot of success on on offense and defense against Liberty, that would go a long way to shooting UConn up the ranks there. I know it's not necessarily something that UConn fans uh, care a whole lot about, but it's still nice to see that the computers are recognizing. Uh, could recognize that Yukon's rise, and then uh, I'd say Liberty and Army are the two essential wins or uh, good performances at least to, to get Yukon the respect it deserves in uh, these metrics because uh, the computers do see that uh, I think where I saw Yukon is 25th, I believe, in the country in uh, average turnover margin per game. And over the last three games, I believe they're third in the country uh, with an average of almost two and a half turnovers per game. So I think the metrics are seeing a lot of that. And that's not to say UConn is a quality team, isn't a quality team. You still have to get in that position. But uh, the uh, modern statistics are more taking into account that uh, turnovers can be random at times. So that's Luke's little advanced stats quarter of the week.
1: Nice. Well, hey – I think again, just so much on the line in each of these three games for a variety of different reasons. Yukon has to keep the pedal to the metal, just stay focused, uh, continue to establish itself. We want to see a good, good final p ranking. We want to see two more wins, of course. I think you know it's it's of course gotta take bus- take care of business this weekend against UMass. That's a Friday night game. This November 4th. Uh, that'll be at 7 p.m. So we have that to look forward to. The Huskies are hosting Liberty next week. Again, just want to keep it going. It's, it's maybe not the most, um, you know, key game for uh, winnability or, or the potential there Liberty looks like they might be kind of good. I'm not sure, but yeah, um, that that finale at Army, you know, I'm I'm hoping a lot of UConn fans think about making that trip because that is November 19th. I think that's the weekend before Thanksgiving. It'll be at West Point, not too far for the folks of Connecticut, a little north of New York City in West Point and a lovely stadium. A lot of tradition, of course, to take in and see. And you might witness a pretty historic moment for for the football program as well. So I I hope that's on the radar for a lot of UConn fans to potentially attend. Hopefully all three of these games really see UConn close that out in in a strong way in terms of attendance. Continuing to perform well will be key in all three. That is going to do it for us. Thank you all for listening.